Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you will turn with me to John chapter 6 and verse 5. I'm going to read several verses, but I just feel like God is tonight is. I feel like I love what I feel and feel like God has just gave me something to share with you tonight. It's a familiar story and we all will know it when we begin to read. And, but that's the, that was the good ones, the familiar stories. John chapter 6 verse 5 the Bible says when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him he saith unto Philip whence shall we buy bread that these may eat and this he said to prove him for he himself knew what he would do Philip answered him 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves, two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make thee men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in numbers about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sit, set down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they would. Verse 12 says, When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Tonight, if you would join me in prayer tonight, that God will touch us. I'm going to speak to us for this title, The Hand of God. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us tonight. Lord, I ask you to minister through me tonight, Lord Jesus, to this congregation, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch everyone here tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you for our safe travels here tonight, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence that we feel in this place, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. We don't take it for granted tonight, Lord Jesus, to be in your house and be in your presence, Lord Jesus. We ask you to touch us and anoint this word, Lord Jesus, that it settle in our hearts tonight, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is the story we all know, most of us here to know, this is the account of Christ feeding the 5,000 men with five, fish, uh, five loaves and two fish. This was a remarkable miracle. You know, it's, we find this, this miracle recorded in all four Gospels. So it was something pretty, pretty sufficient. I mean, so something that, you know, we think about it, but also somebody else thought it was something major to, to be able to re record it in all four Gospels. Christ's miracles, when we look at them, they drew big crowds. They followed after him. Great multitudes followed him because they just they saw his miracles. They saw what he did, and they, they gathered around him. 
There were many there that, that many of them was just there to be entertained. They just came to watch, see what happened next. They was there to watch the next blinded eyes be opened. They was there to, to watch the next, the lame start, get out of the wheelchair. They was there to see the next miracle. But they was there just to see what might happen. And just like today, some people comes to service, church, just to see what might happen. I've heard people in, in the prison, when I, in the prison of Madison, they, some of them says, we go into the Pentecostal church service because you never know what might happen there. And so sometimes, you know, we, 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 got that, we got that reputation, so sometimes we need to make that happen. We need to step out into worship. We need to do something, you know. We, need to, we don't need to allow them to, to waste their trip coming. We need, to, we need to worship God like when we come, when we come to him. We need to give them the entertainment if that's what they come for. We need to give them that. We need to worship. But just so many today just comes for that. Many today call themselves Christians, and they go to church for what they can receive. That's the only reason they come is just to get something. You know, there's people in this world and, and there's even in the church world, there are people that just what they can get from something. They don't want to give nothing. They just want to give something, receive something, and that's how they give God. They want to receive something from God. Some come because they know that it's the right thing to do but have no intentions of completely giving their lives to God. They have no intentions of doing anything more than just coming to service and sitting and checking their checkbox and making sure their, their attendance was accounted and that's all they come for. And they, and they come to church just for that, just because they know that it's the right thing to do. We have to love him for who he is, not for what he can do for us and not for what he can give us. We gotta love him for who he is, for what he, he's, we can't love him for just what he's done for us. Because he's probably done things for every one of us here tonight. He's, he's answered prayers. He's, he's did miracles in our life. And I'm going to talk about some of the miracles in our lives in just a few minutes. But he's talked about miracles in our lives. We all know that. But we can't just serve him for that. we got to serve him just because we love him. And really love him. Because that's what's going to get you through the times when the miracles don't happen. When your prayer doesn't get answered. When you really have a relationship with him. When you really love him. You will go past the part when it's just when your prayer don't get answered and when your 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 healing don't come and when you your financial blessings don't come. When you still have that connection with him if you just love him, love him for who he is, and we'll have that relationship. In Genesis two, verse seven, I don't give him the scripture, but God cares so much about mankind that he in the beginning he formed us with his hands from the dust of the earth. All the, other, all, the, all the rest of the universe, he just spoke it into existence. But mankind, he cares so much about us that he didn't speak us. He could have just said, okay, here, you be over here. here put this man with red hair and just speak that into existence. Or this guy tall, this guy short. But he formed us in his hands. He, he took each one of us, and I feel like he, each one of us, he curved us what we are. He made me this tall. He made me this wide. He made me this shape. Because he made me, he made me different. Everyone else in everything else in creation, he spoke in existence, but the human race, he formed in his hands. We started out in his hands. He formed each one of us individually, uniquely, and he made each one of us one of a kind. There's not one of us different. It doesn't matter, even identical twins, they're different. They may look alike, they may be something, but they're even, their personality, they're something, they're not just alike. There are not two people in this universe, in, the, in history, that are just like. 
There's some little thing different because God made us unique. He made us in our own way. He made us per personally. He formed us personally in his hands. He, let's look at the question. Now we'll go back to my text. Let's look at the question where he made concerning the way to provide for this great group of people. He directed himself to Philip. He directed him to Philip, I believe, because he knew that he had been with him. He was one of the disciples from the beginning. He had seen every miracle. He had seen him raise the dead from the dead. He had seen him break the lame walk. He had opened the blinded eyes. He saw all these miracles. He even was there when the very beginning when he turned the water to wine. He's seen all the miracles. So I think that's why he leaned, looked over to Philip and says, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? How are, what are we going to do about all these people? They need to eat. What are we going to do about these people? He looked at Philip because he said, this is one of my brothers that's been with me the whole time. He's been here the whole time. He's seen me do these miracles. What is he going to say? You know, you would expect him to say, you would thought he would have said something like, Lord, if thou will, it is easy for thee. Just feed them. Just speak it in existence. Just, you know, just speak some steaks over here and some baked potato over here. And he said, you could, he, God could have did that. I mean, Jesus could have did that. He was there. He could speak it into existence. He, he spoke the cattle into existence to begin with. So he could, have, he could have had a steak meal for them, everyone there, if he'd have wanted that. But he looked at him, and, but, you know, here Philip says, you know, we, we read what he said. He said, how, you know, 200 pennyworths will not pay for the food for this multitude. He designed this question just to test Philip's faith. He looked at Philip and asked Philip, he says, he was checking his faith out. He was trying to decide what, if, you know, if Philip had been paying attention. Had Philip been paying attention all these times in church when, he's, when he healed these people, when he did this and he, he did the miraculous, was Philip really paying attention? Sometimes in our Sunday school class, me and Brother Jerry, when we used to as kids going to church, sometimes our teacher would ask us questions because we were probably sitting over there talking about hunting or fishing or football or something like that. They'd ask us questions at the end of the lesson to find out if we'd been paying attention. And sometimes we'd answer the question, sometimes we wouldn't. But that was just some of the, some of the things, but I think that's what Jesus was doing. He was saying, Philip, have you really been paying attention to what I've been, what I've been doing and what I've been saying? Have you really, was you really paying attention Today, he says, today, how many of us here today has ever seen God do miraculous things in our life or in someone else's life that's close to you? We all have seen him answer prayers. We've all seen him do miraculous. We've already seen him heal the sick. We've seen him do these things in our life. But how many of us sometimes when our, we come up to a test in life, we look at things and we, we say, how am I going to get through this? We forget about all the miracles. We forget about all the things that happened before, what God has did for us before, how he supplied our needs. We forget about all that because all we can see is what's in front of us. And I think that's where Philip was. He, all he could see was what was in front of his face that day. All he could see was that multitude. How are we going to feed this amount? How many are we going to afford the amount of food for this amount of people? Acts, you know, the Lord Jesus was never was a loss of what to do. Or he, he wasn't even worried about how difficult, the, how difficult this case was going to be. He, what, he knew what he was going to do from the beginning. He knew what course he was going to take before the need ever arrived. He knew what he was going to do. Acts 15 and 18, the Bible says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. He, he, he don't have to second guess. 
COVID didn't catch him by, by surprise. Our needs in our life didn't catch him by surprise. He knew everything from the beginning. He knew before last year when we were standing at this time and year, he knew what was going, we was all going to face. He already had been down that road. He knew what we was going to face. He knew how we were going to get through it. And he had that planned already out. Nothing surprises God. Philip answered that question and I already led into that. I got ahead of myself. But he says, 200 penny worths of bread is not sufficient. In that day, I looked it up a little bit. In that day, that was a full year's salary. And that's what Philip was saying. He's like, Lord, all the money I could make from now to the end of the whole 12 months wouldn't buy enough food for some of these to have just a little. But it was Andrew. When he looked, Andrew popped up and he says, here's a lad that has five barley loaves and two small fish. Here he had found this little lad with this lunch. He said, here we got this little lunch over here, but then he, before we get too much, give Andrew too much credit, he says, but, but what, what are they among so many? You know, here he was, he, he, we think Andrew has some faith or he's seen some miracles, but, but what is this about for so many? He was still trying to multiply these two fish with his hands. He was trying to multiply it with what he could do. There were but, there were but five loaves and they were small. They, they were small enough that some little lad carried them for his lunch. It was a small lad's lunch. When I've read this story many, many times, and I've heard it preached about many, many times, and I've heard ministers preach about this message, about this lunch, and I've heard preachers preach about how this, there was a mother somewhere that morning packed this young man a lunch. But I'm going to just take it another little spin today. I think this lad, this little lunch this lad has, you know, some little lad, some little lad's, they, their lunch is pretty important to them. I just want to tell you a quick story. I don't want to get too far off, but I just want to tell you a story about when I was about four years old. I was thinking about this today as I was reading over this, and I was about four years old, and in that time when my mother and my aunts used to carry lunch to my to my father and, and his brothers in the woods. We all was on one crew. All of his brothers was on one crew, and so sometimes on Fridays during the summertime they would. They'd load us up in the car, and they'd all cook lunch and put it in pots and put them in the car, and we'd go down to the woods and eat lunch. And we was headed to the woods, and it was just me and my brother Jason and mom, and we was headed, I was about, I was about four. We was headed to the car, headed down the road, and all of a sudden the car we was driving, something happened. I don't remember that. I was too small, but all I know is it caught on fire. The car caught on fire, so it was just, luckily there was this teenager came along on his motorbike and dirt bike and he stopped and helped mom put the car out. But when they was working on putting the car out, I had the back door open and I was setting the pots of food on the greater rut on the side of the road. So when mom and dad, mom and them got through with the car, they looked over and they said, what are you doing? And I says, well, I was saving the lunch because I didn't want the lunch to burn. I wasn't worried about the car, but I was worried about the lunch. So some of these lads may have worried about the lunch. You know, here this lad may have been, his, his lunch may have been important to him. And so sometimes in life, you know, we find ourselves, you know, I, I look at this little lad, he, he was, he loved his lunch because he, he, out of 20,000, estimated 20,000 people there that day, one lad had a lunch. His mother may have packed that lunch, but that lad thought that lunch was pretty important enough to keep it with him all day. And so I'm here, I'm going to tell you, this, this little lad was give him a little credit because here he was willing to give his lunch. 
that he was pretty important about. He was pretty sure he was going to keep up with it all day because he kept up with it. And so he was, he was willing to give it for the cause. And today, so I just wanted to share that today, a little funny story, but that's just this, this little lad's lunch. He was willing to give it. And sometimes in life, we have to be willing to give what we have to God. We have to be willing to give it to God to allow him to be used and be blessed. And sometimes what God needs to make a miracle, we may be holding it in our hands. So sometimes in our life, if we hold it, if he could have held that lunch and he could have hid over behind the trees and God could have spoke things into existence, or he could have did anything he wanted to, but he wanted to use that lad's lunch. And so he, he so that little young man, he had to be willing to give it. And so today, I'm, I'm, tonight I come to tell us, we got to be willing to give what we have to God. Give, it doesn't matter, it may be small, it may be what it is, but if we'll give it to God, he can use it and bless the generation. He can bless the multitudes. Sometimes with just something small in our hands. We may feel like we're inadequate. We may feel like there's nothing we can really do. But if we'll give what we got, if we'll give it to God, when it gets in God's hands, it changes the situation. It goes to further and far more. There were just two very small fish. And the Bible says, and they were small ones. They were so small that one of them was just but nothing but a morsel. When I was thinking about these small fish, another little story. My other brother, younger brother, Patrick, there's two things he loved to do. One thing is cook, and one thing is fish. One day me and him was talking, we was talking about fishing, and I said, about somebody, he had had a bunch of fish. He caught a bunch of fish, and I says, "There was someone pretty small." And I says, "Patrick, I said, I, I think them were kind of small, maybe been thrown back." And he says, "No, if they're not, if they're if they're big enough that they won't go through the loop on the end of the reel, they're big enough to keep." And so that's how he looked at it. If they weren't big, if they was they was big enough to keep from going through the loop on the end of the reel, he thought they were big enough to keep. So he kept them. So this little lad here, maybe these, these fish may have been small, but they must not have went through the loop. So, but he kept them. And so today I'm telling you, these small fish was maybe small, but the bread was, the bread was little, but the fish was even smaller in proportion to the bread. But, and the Bible said, but what is that among so many? To offer this to such a multitude would be just to mock them. Just this little lunch, just this little thing in their life. What does it matter? Verse 11 says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sitting down, and likewise as the fish, as much as they would. He, he broke the bread and, he, and the, broke the fish into pieces, and then he gave and dis, distributed them. We must be broken. He broke this fish before he handed it to the disciples. So we must be broken in the hand of the master before we can do any good for him. We must become to a place and broken in our life. We must be broken in our spirit. We must become a broken pieces and then we can be used. A little lunch didn't start to multiply. This little lunch didn't start to multiply until it was broken. And so we must be broken. It was, it was then it was distributed from the hands of Christ to the hands of the disciples. And then they distributed it to the multitude. It was done to everyone's satisfaction. They did not get everyone just a little bit, but as much as they wanted. Not a short, short allowance, but a full meal. Those who Christ feeds with bread of life, he feeds to complete satisfaction. He, didn't just, he don't just go halfway. He don't, don't feed us a part of the way. He just don't give us a, a little meal. He gives us a full-fledged meal. 
And so today, Psalms 81 and 10 says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he says, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. If we'll open our mouth wide, God will fill it to, to the brim. He would fill us to the brim. When they were filled, that every man had all that they wanted. Christ said to the disciples, he said, gather up the fragments. And they filled 12 baskets of fragments, which were the evidence that not only the truth of this miracle, but that they were fed with real food. They were not only filled, but they were filled to over and above. It doesn't, he doesn't only fill us to the top of the cup but he makes the cup runneth over. God don't only supply our needs, but he overflows us with his blessings. He gives us more than what we need. He gives us more abundantly. Sometimes we pray for things in life and we cut ourselves short because God really wants to bless us. He really wants to pour out blessings on our life. He really wants to pour out an overflow in our life. And sometimes there's an old song, and I can't remember, I'm not no singer, so I'm sure I'm not going to sing, but but sometimes there's, there's an old song that talks about living in the overflow. And here, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to stay. I want to live in the overflow. I don't want to live half full. I don't want to live quarter way full. I want to live in the overflow in life. In our hands, it doesn't look like much, but when it's put in the hand of the creator, it becomes sufficient to meet any need that comes forth. Today, I want to go to one other miracle in life in John chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana, Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and the disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto, his, unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto him, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And, and verse 8 says, And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear. And the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. And when he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water out knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And verse 10 says, And saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then they which was worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. These pots, these water pots, we hear, we see here water pots. These pots were set to, to wash the feet of the, the people coming to the wedding. Jesus has filled these dirty wash pots full of water. And when we look at that, we look at that, we think about that in our minds. We're like, well, Lord, can't we find some cleaner pots? If you're going to do this miracle, can't we find something a little bit more sanitary? But God wanted to prove something. And he proved that. And when the water in these pots was filled, but when the water came in contact with Christ, it became wine. It doesn't matter the situation when it comes in contact with the master. Things change. And so it doesn't matter today what we face. We may be look like water pots. We may look like dirty water. But when we come in contact with the master, we come in contact with him, things does change. And whatever the situation is, it will change. In John chapter 8, there's one more miracle. I like to, I'm not going to read this, but I just want to share this. This is Jesus was teaching in the temple. 
in John chapter 8 when the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman taken in adultery. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And then they looked in verse 5 of, the, of, of John 8. They said, Now Moses in the laws commanded us that such should be stoned, but what, is, what sayest thou? And what they were trying to do is they were trying to tempt Jesus. They were trying to, trying to get him to, to go with whichever side that was going to go on. They said, and they said that he that without, he looked at them and he prayed and he looked down, he looked down in the dirt and he said, he didn't answer them and he started writing in the sand. And when he looked up at them, he says, he that without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. We know this story is familiar. And he stooped back down and went writing in the ground. When Jesus lifted up his eyes, there was him and the only people who was there was him and the woman. And he said unto the woman, where is thou as thou accusers? And he has, she says, hath no man, he says, hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus saith unto her, neither do I condemn thee. No, go and sin no more. This woman was guilty of a sin that by law had the punishment of death. But when she came into the presence of Christ, her sin was took care of. It doesn't matter what her sin was then at that point. Her sin was washed away. It was took care of. And we look at this lady and we look at this, this, this penalty of this punishment of, for this punishment of this sin. We look at that in the, in the, in the, in the no, um, Moses said in the law said, you know, she's condemned to death. But you know, we, so we, but we all fall in that same category because the wages of sin is death and we've all sinned. Romans, 8, Romans 6 and 23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And we quote that, that part of the scripture a lot. But the rest of that scripture says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where it changes. That word but changes things because that's when it come, we come into contact with the master. When we come in contact with Jesus Christ, when we come in Christ with him, we have eternal life. That sentence is not pronounced no more. That sentence is overturned because when we come in contact with Jesus, he takes, he washes our sins away. He went to a cross and he died on a cross for our sins and he washed our sins away. Acts 2 and 38, when Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We all can quote that, those two scriptures. But there's a lot of truth to these two scriptures. Because when we come in contact, it don't matter, our old man comes in contact with, we, when we do what these scriptures says, we're coming into the hand of Christ. We take, we're coming into his hand and we're taking him and he's washing our sins away. He's cleansing us. So it doesn't matter what we face tonight. Within the hands of Christ, it changes. I have came here to tell someone that it doesn't matter what your need is. Jesus is here tonight with his hands open wide wanting to, you to give it to him. It doesn't matter what we have in our life. It doesn't matter what we face for tomorrow or anything we have. It seems like it's overwhelming. Jesus is here with his hands open. His hands is open waiting on us. You have, we have tried to handle it. I can speak for myself. I've tried to handle it my own way. 
I've went and done this and I've done that and most of the time I make a bigger mess. It don't matter how big or how out of control it feels. Nothing is too big for God. We serve a God who spoke the world into existence. And with his hands, he molded each one of us into existence. So what anything that we're facing today is not too big for God. As I begin to close, I ask as the musicians come tonight, I ask us tonight, are we facing a mountain in our life? Are we facing something in our life that we, that we can't, need to, can't think we can overcome? I come to tell someone today, tonight, God is here. He's got his arms open wide, and he's wanting to receive you. He's wanting you to give it, hand it over to him. He's like that big brother that would just reach down and pick you up and, and carry your situation in life. As we stand across the place tonight, I ask us tonight, if you have a need in your life, God, we're in the right place. God is here tonight and can supply that need. He can supply whatever need it is. There's nothing too big, nothing too small. So tonight as we, we, they begin to play, I ask us tonight to just reach out to him and give whatever, whatever your need is tonight. Just give it to God. Just reach out and just give it to him tonight because he's, he's here just wanting to receive everything from you tonight. He's, wanting, he's, here, to, he's here to be the, your, your caretaker. He's here to take care of the need. He's, he's here to heal the, the sickness He's here to fix the, the financial problems. There's nothing too big for God. It's just handed over to him tonight. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.